Hi, this is Jim Lesser from BBDO San Francisco, and welcome to another episode of the Fog City Chronicles. Today's interview is part of a series called The Women Who Run BBDO. Female leadership is such an important topic in our industry right now, and at BBDO, I've been very lucky to work with uh, some of the most dynamic leaders in our industry who happen to be women who are running offices and groups of offices. And I thought that if we could uh, pull their collective knowledge together, it might help to inspire the uh, female leaders of tomorrow. Today's episode is with Sarah Douglas. Sarah is the CEO of AMV BBDO in London. And for anyone who doesn't know, AMV is not just one of the most iconic offices in the BBDO network. It is one of the most iconic agencies in advertising history, period. Sarah became the CEO in January of 2019 and has led the office based on really focusing on the idea that creativity is a differentiating business weapon. And that's led to topping the work rankings for two consecutive years and producing the longest run of IPA golds in IPA history. Really an impressive run for Sarah, and she's just getting started. I think you'll enjoy this conversation as Sarah and I discuss everything from her incredible ability to recognize a great idea and then nurture it, something she calls putting up the ring of fire, which I loved, and the importance of self-care and balancing the needs of being the mother and, uh, and a great leader to, to a whole team at an agency. So she has some wonderful insights, and I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Sarah Douglas, I am so excited to be speaking with you, and especially in the current circumstance of, uh, of shelter in place and working from home, I'm just especially grateful to see your face and be able to just have a nice conversation. I'm so happy to be here and see your face too. It's great. Well, thank you. So as you know, the topic of this conversation is about leadership, um, specifically female leadership in the BBDO network. And the, the project really began as, as something that really was a kind of a, a, an epiphany for me when I was attending a female leadership conference, and which was kind of a random thing in and of itself. But what I heard a lot of there was, if you can't see it, you can't be it. And it occurred to me that I had all these young, brilliant women in my office who saw me as the CEO, but didn't have the opportunity to see all these other brilliant women in our network. And, you know, as I thought about the people I've known over the past 20, you know, 20, nearly 22 years of being a BBDO, people like yourself who have just, you know, taken on incredible um, leadership roles. And so I wanted to bring that into our, our San Francisco office. And, and the nice surprise of the whole thing has been how much people have enjoyed listening to it outside of our office. And so yeah. I'm grateful for you for taking the time. Oh, my pleasure. It's a wonderful series. I love it. Um, well, let's start with the beginning. Um, let's start with your beginning in advertising. And, you know, we can we can take this kind of anywhere it feels natural for you. But I think something that that is helpful for people to understand is how did advertising come into your, you know, frame of reference as a, as a potential career? Is it something you knew about as a child? Is it something you learned about in school? Was it something you stumbled into? Um, you know, how did, how did it begin for you? 
Well, it's a great question because at the moment I have a teen who is beginning to think about her choices. And the reason she has to think about her choices is because she's thinking possibly about medicine. And I didn't have that, right? So I'm the daughter of a, my father was a surgeon, he was a medic, and my mother was a housewife. And I knew I didn't want to be either of those, but I didn't know what I wanted to be. Uh, I loved literature. I loved literature. I loved the humanities, uh, history, history of art. I studied English at, uh, at university. Uh, and, uh, and I loved, um, but I was also very good at maths, right? So mm. it's a strange sort of way of trying to reconcile of, of that. And, uh, and I loved, I don't think I was argumentative. I mean, I, I don't think so. I think if my brother were here, he would, he would agree. I don't think I was argumentative as a youngster. But I did love debating. And I loved the formation of arguments. And I think that was my maths brain coming through, right? Mm-hmm. And so for a long time, I thought that my path lay in law. And then I went uh, and, I, and I was at university and I was friends with had a bunch of buddies who were reading law. And I, and I realized that there wasn't that, wasn't that sort of, I guess, enough for my right brain in law. And then what I saw in advertising was that wonderful blend of commerce, left brain uh, and creativity, right brain. So, so, so to answer your question, it was a stumble. I re- it really was a stumble. It was never a sort of, it was never a very intentional. It was a way of piecing together, you know, things that I loved and things that drove me and things that I felt were my sort of natural skill set uh, and mm. seeing, seeing in a career path a nice, a, a nice blend of that. Great. Yeah, it's, it's funny how similar your story is in, in many ways to mine. I, I thought I was headed for law school as well. I had been told uh-huh. I was... I was, you know, oh yeah, you, you like to, you like to debate, so you should That's go to law school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so tell me about the, the first, what's your entry point into advertising? What was your first role? What was your first job? And, and, and you know, what did you see when you got there? So I, I joined the grad trainee scheme, as it was called back then, at uh, the now deceased RIP. Do we, I don't know if we want to dignify the competition, uh, JWT. So, um, so that was my, my one and only uh, time of, of working for WPP, but that was my start point. And I, I just, I just loved it literally from, from the, from the get go, just the, 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 the energy around ideas, the, the, I loved the argument you had to put around ideas. I could see that. I mean, this is back, this is back 20 years ago. So, so, so strategy was at its height and, and JWT in London, whilst not a great agency, was a good agency at the time. It was regarded as the University of Advertising. It's kind of where mm-hmm. where you went to get a really great grounding. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 and so it, it, I could see that this path was probably going to deliver for me. And and I love people and being around people. And 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 so 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 I kind of I kind of thought, yeah, this is this is going to be good. So so I stayed there for a little while, and then I left. <laughs> your your and your career path just so people under you know because one of the things i think that helps especially younger folks as they're looking ahead to their careers it just helps to to kind of get a clear sense of um you know everyone starts somewhere you yeah. don't just you know drop out of the sky as the ceo of of amv bbdo um yeah. so as you think about your path what were were there any critical s- steps or or skills you started to develop along the way that you feel kind of catapulted your career forward? Because you were, you were in, in the, the strategy 
department early on, right? And then and then account leadership as well. Well, no, I I I, I was account I was an account man through and through. I came up through the account man ranks, and but but I've always seen the, I've always felt that the divide is something of a misnomer because I mm. think the truth about our business, and and I say this a lot to the agency is that is that everybody. Everybody in our business has to be creative. You know, whether you've got the word creative in the title or not, you know, if you haven't got the word creative in your title, your job is to create the conditions for creativity to thrive, right? And that is as true of, of production, as it is of strategy, as it is of the best account, men and women, you know, because it's hard. It's, creativity is, it's not fragile because I think creativity is very strong, but it is ephemeral right and uh, and and if you're not careful if you don't guard it if you don't put a wall of fire around it with arguments with data with with persuasion with all those skills that kind of are are, are a huge part of our skill sets as practitioners then if you're not careful kind of poof it it, it's gone and something that was very special becomes very ordinary so, so I've always felt that the, 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 the delineation is a, is a little bit false. So, so I've thought of myself as a, having a bit of a strategic brain, a bit of a creative brain and a, and a bit of a commercial business brain. And, and I, lo- I love clients. I love, I love listening to them. I love thinking about their business problems. I love working out how to solve them. I mean, you know, we, you know, that, you know, we, 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 we don't sleep when we've got a big, a big right. thorny, juicy problem to solve, do we? Right, right. That's, that's um, so well said. And I think I'm, I'm, I've become really fascinated over the years with how, how you create that culture. And so in an agency like AMV BBDO, where, you know, there's been a, a history of incredible creativity right up to the present moment and, and, you know, some of the most iconic work in our industry. I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about that ring of fire that you put around ideas or, or just, the things that you've learned as as ways to make sure that those those embryonic ideas don't you know fade away or die because someone sees something objectionable very quickly in it um, yeah. because yeah. I think you I think you're I mean you, that is the magic of what we do isn't it is yeah. knowing the difference between many many ideas which ones have that potential to be yeah. pretty magical yeah. Uh, so I talk a lot to our youngsters when they first come in, uh, and I have for many years, about, um, I guess, about arguments and, and about the fact that there is, there is, there is argument and a burden of proof in, in everything we do, you know, right, right now, right down to, you know, how we, and salesmanship, right, how we sell a budget is it, it, how we sell a strategic thought, how we sell a brief, because if the brief is in the wrong place, the work's going to be even further in the wrong place. And so I, I do a, a, a presentation to them literally about the craft of salesmanship and the fact that that is a really core skill for us, that they, we are in, that is our job in the process as account people is to, is to make sure that the clients know that that brief is going to get yield that kind of work. Uh, and, and when we get to that kind of work, why that kind of work is the right kind of work and, and how it's going to differentiate against the competitive set, how it's going to create something new and fresh and exciting in culture. And, mm-hmm. and, 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 and all of these arguments, they're, they're, they're not, you know, 
balls out on the table let's have get our fisticuffs out there they're inches you know i love that i love that pacino speech in any given sunday you know the inches we need are all around us yeah. and i and i genuinely believe that 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 is the game of great creativity you know it, mm -hmm. it's, it's holding those inches not in a defiant way in a respectful way because great client relationships come from a, a place of trust and understanding right being able to articulate you know why is it right well what is that it you know being able to put language in sometimes into a thing that is that is unlanguageable and not that that's the word but do you know what i mean it's, it's being, <laughs> yeah. able to, being able to 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 explain something uh, mm -hmm. And so I think that that is the that's the craft skill, and it, it and that's how you start to create the conditions with clients, and and, and you know, in sharing ambition, in sharing things that you're you both are are envious about in the mm -hmm. in the in, in in the marketplace, mm -hmm. and starting to kind of create the story that you want for that brand or, or that brief. Yep, yep. Um, and how one of the things I think is is most challenging as you enter the business, especially for, for, I think it's different for people with creative in their title and people, you know, in say strategy or, or account leadership to know when that idea could be great. And do you remember anything in your own development as you started rising in your career where was it just an instinct or were there, tricks you learned or you know was it just someone pointing out that's a great idea that's not um how did you develop that barometer for what's great i think it's half instinct and half i think it's a third instinct a third learning and a third listening so mm. i think i think about my journey i had a relatively conventional journey up the up the ranks i was very privileged to work with some super smart people uh, and I watched, I watched how they articulated and defended ideas. I watched when they held a line in a negotiation around an idea because it felt like a like a like a really crucial line that couldn't be crossed. I watched when our ideas failed and we went too far, either in one direction or in another direction. And then I kind of tried to immerse myself in. A language around creativity and also i had an instinct around it you're right there is a there is a part which is about just the feeling in the belly do you feel even now i mean this is why i love our business even now i i can still have those moments where yeah. we're literally looking at something on a page it's a nascent thought uh and uh, and we go that is interesting and we mm -hmm. did this last year. It was, a, it, it was, it was, it was for, for, I forget which client it was, but I had a, a wonderful uh, creative team and Alex and I were having a review and, and, I, and I looked over her shoulder. She was reading out a script to the left of this particular script. She read it out and, and we all said, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe there's something in there. And I looked, looked over her shoulder and she said, I, we said, have you got anything else? And she said, well, we've got this, but we don't think it's right yet. And I, and I, and I saw one word and I said, you need to read us that. It, it might not be ready, but you need to read us that because it ends in that word. Mm. And, I, and that's, you know, that's the mm. thing, that's mm. magic. That's the spine tingle. That is magic. And that, that is um, a great story because I think 
it also points out the power that every idea starts as a scrap of paper and, yeah. and, you know, and it, it takes feeding and watering and caring for it to, to help it kind of grow and develop. Um, one of the things I love about these conversations is I, I always learn a lot. And in my chat with Robin Fitzgerald, who's the CCO in Atlanta, she said, I like to date an idea before I marry it. But you know, <laughs> there's gotta be, there's gotta be kind of like a, a an initial attraction. <laughs> so I love that language. I love that. Uh, what about, let's talk about just um, what it takes to be, to be good at what we do. So just from a, you know, a personal trait standpoint or a skills standpoint, what are the things that, that young people in our agency and in our industry can do to be more successful? Are there, are there skills they can work on and what are the things that they should keep in mind, you know, as they, as they think about how their personal development can, can, can sure. grow? I mean, I, I think a lot of it comes back to that blend of left brain, right brain. You know, I think that there is there is a chemistry in that that really helps us as we wrestle with ideas and we wrestle with business problems. It's, you know, some 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 people are more logic, some people are more creative in the conventional sense of the of the word. Some people are somewhere in the middle. It doesn't really matter. It's in that wonderful blend, that wonderful cocktail that you find find the, the magic. But I, I think I think the most important thing is to remember that it's a dance, right? That the 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 there's no there's no laws that can be applied to creativity. You can't you can't learn it from a book. You can't learn it in school. You can't even really learn it by doing it over and over again because every every different way of arriving at an idea tends to be different. And so I think it's about, I think for the youngsters, it's about, again, it's about watching and listening and immersing themselves and sharpening up a point of view and being able to articulate that point of view and not being afraid of, of, of calling things out and, and, and recognizing that it's a, it's, a, it's a team sport. It's one of the reasons I love this business. Mm. I, I, I always, always, when I'm, you know, thinking about something that we might have to do that we haven't quite managed to crack yet. I always imagine us out on the field. It's usually a rugby field. I don't know what <laughs> field because I never played Were you a rugby, rugby player. No, I never played rugby. But I used to go. My dad and I used to go and watch my brother play rugby every Saturday. Uh, so I don't know. I spent a lot of my youth watching rugby, uh, and we're always out on the field. And the fields are always green. But uh, but that's the that's the, again that's the magic of the team. You know, it mm -hmm. takes. It takes a team to build an idea. It, it, it really, really does. And so the skills that are required in teamwork are the skills that you bring to bear. And, and there's, there's, there's a lot of humility that comes with getting to something great as well, I think. Yeah. And I, I, do, I do think that humility is a, is a massively underrated attribute for our mm. business. Mm. I think about how we have created some of our best work. It's not a baton pass. Right. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a blend. It's a blend of brains. It's a blend of feelings. It's a, a blend of hearts mm -hmm. uh, that come together and, and slowly, as you say, there's, it, there's a scrap of paper that starts something. And then from that scrap of paper, you build something. And once yeah. you've built it, you go, okay, now we've got to, we've got to protect it. So yeah. Yeah, and it, it, there's that magical alchemy, which I think is what um, what attracts us to this to this 
job, right? To this business where you can see that whole path. It's always different. I mean, the, the outcome you hope is going to be brilliant, but the path that you take to get there Mm. varies enormously on Mm. the team that is work you're working with. Mm -hmm. And and that's exciting. That's vibe. That's a vibrant business to be in. Yeah. Um, Well, I want to dig in on a couple aspects of, of the actual process, because one of the things I think is helpful as folks are, are coming up in their careers is, is understanding the process, right? Uh, You know, it's, 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 if you, if you want to learn to build beautiful cabinetry, you need to understand all the saws and all the, you know, all the sanding devices and everything else. And so I've always felt like there's an element of craft to what we do. Yeah. There's an element of alchemy too, but when it comes to the craft, there's one thing that's always struck me as fascinating about the difference between between our industry, not just BBO, but our industry in the States versus in the UK, where in the UK, account people oftentimes present the creative ideas. Mm-hmm. And in the States, that's generally rare. And I wonder if you could talk about just what that might, what, what are the benefits of that? Because I think there are some, you know, probably some wonderful benefits for, for both account folks as well as creatives. So I, I think that, I think that grew up out of a belief that creative people do the thing that nobody else can do, right? Which is the tyranny of the, of the blank page. You you know it well. Um, Come up with something, come up with something, come up with something. And so I think for many years, decades, even the belief was that, you know, you needed to leave these guys and girls alone because they do that thing. They lay those golden eggs that no one else can lay. And therefore the job of, advocacy around work the job of the salesmanship around the work was really down to that was the that was the 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 journey of the account person you know that that was the core craft skill you have to be good at selling you have to be able to understand what you've got why it's right for this brief why it's right for this brand how it's going to turn itself into into a a thing that ignites the business and then you have to go and persuade the client etc etc um uh, and, and I loved that because I felt like I uh, my role was kind of right in the epicenter of developing creativity and and you know the, the the trust vested in me by creative teams that had dared to commit something to the page and then dared to share that with their terrifying as they were back then creative director uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know that showed resilience and therefore you know it, 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 there must be something in it so so I loved that. It's interesting in the UK because we we are swinging a little bit now, uh, and increasingly you find that that that's that clients I think maybe because they've we're more global now, but there the, there is a more of a pressure on on creative people to be in the room representing their work, and I have to say I I I, I approach that with you know understanding of course, but I, I do think I do think that a creative person shouldn't have to have the onus on them of being able to, you know, create the argument, line it up with the data. I do think that should be on the account person and the strategist, but, you know, increasingly we move in, we move in what we call triumvirates now. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, but then that puts pressure on our business because, you know, if you've got your creative people in meetings half their day, they're not able to do the thing that gets you to the scrap of paper in the first place. I I do think that's a real a real issue in our business uh, and we're trying to we approach it client by client of course and we're trying to uh, get to the right balance 
Yeah. Uh, But but that's, you know, that's the discipline I grew up in. And that was what was so exciting Mm -hmm. about it. It wasn't just about, you know, making sure the trains run on time. It was was really being in, around, amongst the craft. And I remember my very first boss you know, taught me that I, you don't just walk into a room with a piece of creative work and go, here's the answer to your brief. You know, you, 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 you take, I watched him actually, I watched him in, in, a, in a taxi go into a really quiet space and scribble a few words on a piece of paper and then walk into a room, sit down, look down at his piece of paper and begin to speak. And I saw firsthand that there is the art of the cell. There is the mm. art. It was beautiful. Mm. That's fantastic. The um, the art of the cell, I think, is is a wonderful way to put it. And um, if people take nothing else away from this conversation, that is a gem. That is a gem of wisdom of how to succeed in this business. And especially, I think your point about about um, understanding not just you know that there's the magic and the idea, but then how to surround it because it's challenging for I think for any client to, who's who's inundated every minute of every day with pressure to sort of see how this can solve their problem, and so it's really your job to scaffold it. And um, and I think uh, I mean it's no coincidence that some of the most brilliant account leaders come out of of AMV because, because of that training, I think is, I mean, there's many elements to it, but, but that being in the, in the thick of it with the, with the creative team that way is, is invaluable. Um, You've got to make it believable, haven't you? You're so right. You know, clients have so much to think about. They have so many pressures and it's, it's, it's so easy to default to creating something that doesn't look different. You know, because because if it looks similar to the stuff that, you know, my competitor is doing as a client, you know, then it can't be that far wrong. Right. You know, the brave clients, the brave work that comes out of taking a leap of faith. Mm. And I've always felt that the account person's job is to is to minimize that gap in that leap. So it doesn't feel like a leap. It just feels like a step. Mm. That's very well said. I really wanted to probe while we're on this topic of kind of the process, you know, no secret, uh, as we talk about AMV these days, the the work that you've done for Essity is just iconic and it's becoming case studies and it's books will be written about it. And, and I mean, it's just so incredible. And the thing I wanted to ask you about is in the specifics of, I know, I know how challenging that was to, to make it all the way you know, to, to where it is today. And I wonder if you could just talk about the tightrope you have to walk as a leader that is on one side being malleable enough to, you know, face into challenges and take them on and say, no, but there's an idea here that we believe in and we're going to figure out a way to make it. And on the other side, not fall off where, whether it's pressure because, you know, no matter how great of a, a client partner you have, they're feeling pressure or regulatory gets involved. You know, how do you, how do you kind of navigate that tightrope of not letting an idea die, but also making sure it doesn't collapse under its own weight? That is a great question. Um, so uh, let me start with a quote that I found when I was a teenager and I channeled a lot 
uh, and I've spoken about this before, George Bernard Shaw said, some men see things as they are and ask why. I dream things that never were and ask why not. Mm. And I think that that has always been inside the core of me. I found that. I read it on my rough book at school when I was about 14. Mm-hmm. It was about the first quote I memorised. It was not a school book. It was not a text. I just, you know, because I loved reading, I, I found mm-hmm. it. Uh, and I think that that guides me. And, you know, you, you, you talk about ST, the ST journey. I mean, it's been well documented <clears throat> through Omnicom U. It was an incredibly difficult journey. It was incredibly hard. We won the business. We got to the platform. The platform was great, but the work wasn't great. And, 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 and we were absolutely passionate as a team, both with the clients and, and in ourselves, you know, we, we hadn't won that business to put the same kind of work out into the category. And the, the big reveal came when we realized we were complicit in the tropes of the category, because mm-hmm. we too were shying away from, you know, showing blood, you know, blood, blood, red fit was the very beginning and blood normal was the amplifier. Uh, and, and so, so we knew we wanted to do something about that. It was righteous indignation it only got stronger, that righteous indignation with Viva La Volva, because we were, I mean, we were just angry about the rise in labiaplasty in teenage girls. We were mm-hmm. really, really angry about how we can live in a society where it is okay that a daughter's view of herself is informed by the porn that the boys that she wants to date are watching. We were just mm-hmm. angry about that. And so that kind of, that became our fire. And mm-hmm. we were very blessed, very fortunate to have clients that felt the same, which mm-hmm. meant that it, it, when the hard times came and they really did come and they came again and again, in every single piece of work that we've done for Recity, we've hit mm-hmm. the same walls with, um, with the platforms. We've, 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 we've got, got caught up in, in editorial policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we had to dig deep and we had to know that we were trying to do something that kind of sat above all of that crap and that mm-hmm. was right for humans and that when you when you get to 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 work with people and a brand that is is interested let alone passionate in doing that you know, work that is right for humans, work that is righting a wrong for humans, you go, I will do anything. I will do, I, I will hold the line where I have to hold the line. And so you, you know, it is a tightrope. You're right, because there were, there were days close to launch on those, on the latter three parts of, of the chapters of that campaign, you know, where we were on the phone having arguments over here whilst, you know, there was all sorts of stuff in flux inside the client organization and it was just really difficult but you know hold thy nerve i think is is mm. the way and mm. uh you know so so much easier when you've got clients that you're linking arms with doing the same it's a very special relationship that one mm. uh, and I'm, yeah. I'm super proud to even be just a part of it Oh my gosh, I can imagine. I mean, um, for anyone listening who who uh, is missing this reference, please immediately go to uh, <laughs> to YouTube and just search Essity, E-S-S-I-T-Y and right. look up Blood yeah. Normal 
and then that was the Viva first Volver. campaign, right? Viva la Volva, and, and then Womb Stories. And yeah. my gosh, you talk about work that is literally changing the world. It's just a, a you know, iconic, iconic work. And um, my gosh, the team must just be so proud. And especially in a category which has never, never been known for, for brilliant work, has it? And in some ways that, that almost, um, I would imagine, uh, added even more fuel to the fire, right? It's a category that's been sort of confined by the, by the regulations and, and by the cliches of the category. And it, it sort of became its own, its own cliche in a way, right? The, the blue yeah, liquid did. being poured out and some of those demonstration things. It did, it did. But a bit of that, I mean, that, that's a, an interesting link back to the conversation we were having a few moments ago. You know, I think it was like that because it was very easy to go, everyone's doing it, it's fine. So the fact that we're doing it as well is fine. Mm -hmm. and, and, and when we when we started to take these steps out into this, you know, on the face of it, you know, sensible journey to, to tackle taboos and tell everyone that, you know, it's menstrual blood. OK, it's a, it's a physiological fact. There is no drama here. OK, there's right. nothing to see, nothing to see. Um, you know, yeah. it, it, we, 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 we had to make it a step. That's why. You know, that's why we, we, we just, it, it's, it's not a leap of faith. When you're doing the right thing, it's not a leap, it's just a step. Mm. And I think that's, I think that's a, a, a great lesson of, well, of that well work. Um, well, I have uh, to tell you, I was, I, I vividly remember the first time I saw Viva La Volva, I was in my kitchen with my <laughs> wife and a dear friend, and it popped up on either your social media feed or Nadia's, and I immediately watched it and called my wife over to say, you've got to see this. And we watched yeah. it again. And I mean, the level of craft that's in the, that film is mind blowing. Um, how beautiful it is to watch and how inspiring the visuals are. But my wife has five sisters and she immediately said, send that to me. <laughs> and then she sent it to them. And, and I, I wonder um, what it was like for you to sort of watch that become a phenomenon. Yeah, I mean, it's very humbling, really, because at the end of the day, you know, it is a team sport, as we've said, you know, and the team that works on that is it is egoless. You know, they they just keep bringing the do. They do it day in and day out. You know, the fights, the blood, the sweat, the tears, literally, mm. Mm. literally. Everybody bleeds out on the table for those campaigns. Mm. But but you it's incredibly exciting to know that you're sending something out into the world we don't know do you but you hope that you're sending something out into the world where the world will see the intent see the truth see the beauty uh and and yeah i mean it's it, it's funny isn't it? it 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 never gets old and it, and it never stops surprising us we're 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 always still i mean nadge is, is hilarious because uh, you know I mean, Nick and Nadra are amazingly talented and you just go, and they still look surprised when, when something amazing happens with a piece of work that they've ha had a part in, you know, and, mm -hmm. and Womb Stories, was, Womb Stories was, the, was the same. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, I had to have a word with them last year because every piece of work that, 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 that I watched uh, uh, that they shared with me made me cry. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, yeah. you guys are making me cry. Right? This year is hard enough. 
And you, if you haven't seen, if you haven't seen, um, if you haven't seen the Macmillan work, you must, you must take a look at that. It's beautiful work, work that we've done yeah. for a county charity. Mm. Okay, um, I want to ask you just about a few things, um, leadership-wise, how you approach team building, and so I wonder if you have any tips or tricks for sort of the interview process you know, favorite questions you like to ask or, or what specifically what you look for when you're hiring, because knowing that the, you know, that, that alchemy of getting the team right and having different people in different positions, how do you approach that? Well, I think, you know, I mean, and it's a loaded word at the moment, isn't it? But diversity is, is possibly the most important thing that I look for. Uh, I, I don't, I don't even start interviewing until I've got a diverse set of candidates on, on the list. Mm-hmm. And that is profoundly important. Um, and then I, I, I kind of look, I look to be surprised. I don't know about you, but I, very few people surprise me anymore. You know, I think we're all in danger of living in our own echo chambers, you know, absorbing, you know, a, a, such a narrow cast suite of, of, of media. Uh, and forgetting that there's a you know there's an amazingly rich world out there and uh, and so i i want someone to surprise me but i again i mean it's that word uh, i i also want them to do that with humility you know i don't want mm-hmm. someone to come in and try and surprise me you know beating their own drum and 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 and, and being the big i am i i'm 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 fascinated by humility i think it's um I think it is such a, a great attribute and, and value uh, for, for, for our clients. And then I'm thinking about likability, you know, because, mm-hmm. because you can be surprising and you can be humble, but you know, if, if, if you're not likable, then, then, then you're going to find a relationship business hard and our business, right. because it's a team business. It, it ha- we have to start by looking out for each other, looking, looking after each other, trying to get the best out of each other, you know, being able to do that both in our internal teams and in our client teams. Mm-hmm. So I think those are the things I'm looking for. I also think it's an important, you know, I see my job as an interviewer to put someone at ease, you know, it's a waste of my time and theirs if, if the interview hasn't gone, hasn't gone how they would like it to go. So I do try and ask questions where they feel that they are, have great authority. I definitely don't try and catch people out. I try and ask them questions that they might enjoy answering. Mm. Um, because I think that's when you get the insight. And one of my favorite questions is, you know, dead or alive, if you could take a Sunday afternoon walk with someone, who would it be? Mm. And, and you get such a variety of answers to that. You get stories about lost loved ones and you mm. see the humanity in the person sitting in front of you. You get a sense of their idols, you know, you, you, talk, you know, or, or, or things that really interest them. Uh, and then you kind of go off on a nice little, on a nice little uh, tangent about you know interests and passions and stuff like that. And and that's what I want to, I want to feel someone when I interview them because right. if I can't feel them, then I can't work out if they're going to be right fit for us, right fit for clients. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's great. I love that as a as a question because. It does, it does get you to kind of who a person is, not just what their resume is. And that's, right. that's a, such a challenge when you're, when you're having a, a first conversation with someone. Um, you touched on something there about, you know, the team aspect of 
of our industry. And we've talked a lot about that and, and caring for one another. One of the things that, that I'm, I'm a big believer in, and I'm wondering how you approach this, is that you kind of have to look after yourself first in order to look after others. And I don't mean that in a, in a way of like being egocentric, but more just caring for yourself and making sure that you're bringing kind of the best who you are to the table in order to help care for others. And so how do you approach that? I mean, it could be really open-ended, just anything from the way you approach personal habits to the, the way you approach the discipline of your day. How do you find you, you, you know, what are the, what are the practices that you have that help you show up as, as uh, the best Sarah? It's a great question at this moment in time, because I think, <clears throat> you know, last year was brutal. It was tough uh, on everybody in every single way. And I felt that, um, I felt that I had to be, you know, everything to everybody in every moment of my day, you know, and that's just not just the world out here on zoom and the people in AMV, but it's my family and, you know, my, my family, both in my home and my, my, my elderly mother. And, and I, and I think I, I think I lost something along the way by about September, October, I lost the ability. I was so tired. I lost the ability to remember the things that I needed to do to take care of myself. And I think that's probably why I got to the end of the year so tired. You know? mm. um, so I had a proper word with myself over Christmas. I gave myself a good talking to, Jen. <laughs> I am I'm want to do frequently. I, I'm very, very good at, uh, at moments of evaluation. I usually do it on planes, right? Mm. Get on a plane, love being on a plane. I have a notebook, I sit down and I, and I, and I think to myself, what's working well in, in our lives, what's not working well in our lives, what can I be doing about that? How can I kind of optimise, you know, all across the thing. But of course, because I haven't been on a plane, I hadn't done it for ages. Uh, and so, you know, it comes down to the core things. We all know them. It's about exercise. It's about making sure that you're putting the good physical stuff into your body. So, so I do yoga in the mornings, I run uh, in the middle of the day, and then I, I do a, a, a shorter yoga practice in the evenings. Mm. It's for me, it's about my spiritual life. You know, I, I'm a Christian, I was raised a Christian. So I, so I try to spend time with, with the Bible in the mornings. Uh, uh, and it's also about making sure that I'm putting the right uh, protection around the family moments, you know, because that's important. So starting the day, breakfast, dinner, and then everything in between is, 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 you know, girls doing school time, me doing work time. That's okay because that's normal. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, just, just making sure to take those moments uh, at the weekend, I guess, because the evenings then tend to be family time, you know, played a lot of games this lockdown. Yeah. We love board games. What's uh, your favorite board game? Uh, Rummy Cub is our new favorite board game. Do you have that? Oh, so good if it's the same we call it rummy cube is that the same okay. thing with the little tiles yeah yeah so good so yeah. good uh so I, I i'm desperately trying to beat my 14 year old at that he just keeps beating me it's really annoying and last night <laughs> really, so we last night i really thought i was i had her had her i was like two tiles away from her and then she she's she's got a terrible habit of hoarding jokers Right. So she hoards the jokers and then she plays them in the end. So, uh, so, so that, and then, you know, I, music is important to me, which has been, I, I treated myself to a, um, uh, 
to a, 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 a vintage radiogram last summer. Mm. Mm. And, and I have very strict rules around the vinyl I'm buying. I'm mm. only buying classical and jazz. Because mm. I used I to listen that. to loads of jazz in my 20s and my dear father tried to get me interested in classical music because I was a pianist as a, as a, as a, as a teenager. Uh, and I just wouldn't have a bar of it. You know, I was just like, I'm mm. not interested in your rap man and off. And, uh, and of course, now I've grown up and realised, of, of course, classical music. So, so I sit and, you know, I sit and have a cup of tea on a Saturday afternoon and listen to some, listen to some classical vinyl. It's great. Mm. That's great. I, I thank you for the detail in that answer, because I think it's so helpful for people to understand just how, you know, just how hard it is to maintain yeah. a personal practice that's that's healthy and and having spaces in your day to 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 be able to do yoga and running and music and it's fantastic you have to um, make i've certainly learned the lesson of of working out what works for you what works for you will be different to what works for me and I, and i've i've had to break mine down so you know it's a 20 minutes here half an hour there 20 minutes you know that's how it works for me and then i do start the day with a nice cup of tea and a and a, and a moment. Mm -hmm. That's great. Do you, by chance, do any meditation? Is that part of your your? No, I think practice? that's part of my spiritual journey anyway. I mean, it's interesting. Mm. Al and I talk about <clears throat> Alex, my chief creative officer, co-pilot of the agency and work husband. Um, we, he talk, he, he's got into meditation during this time, mm. this pandemic time. Uh, and I, I don't know, I, I think because um, Christianity has always been part of my life, you know, prayer has always been part of my life. Yeah. Prayer is a, is a type of meditation. I think, you know, right. just spending time focusing on the challenges that you've got in your day, you know, looking, looking to a higher order, but another being to, to, to help you. So, mm. I, so no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a meditator. Mm. But it's, it's, um, it's important to have some, something in your day where you can kind of focus on something other than work to clear your mind. And I think you're, you get it from that. I actually get it from, from yoga, um, which I've only discovered in the past four or five years, but I've found that it kind of does two things right for me. And one is the physical and the other is the, the mental, yes. just, you know, yes. focusing on breathing and nothing else for, yes. for a yes. short period of time. Yeah. It's really, really healthy. I'm really, um, really bad at that bit of yoga. I'm really bad. <laughs> it yeah. takes practice, doesn't it? It does take practice. It's really quite so, hard. And I don't know if that's because I've I've always had that moment in my day anyway, where I'm. But you're right. It is about focusing on something outside of yourself, right? Because mm -hmm. that's how you get perspective. Yeah. And I'm incredibly grateful for my faith because my faith has given me that. But yeah, I was mm. my yoga makes me laugh because I do really enjoy it. But I'm always sitting there, or lying there, or crouching there, thinking I'm thinking about something. I shouldn't be thinking about something. I should just be thinking about my breathing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's true. It really does take practice. I think it took me a good year or two just to get the physical part down. And then I was able to start yeah. processing the the mental part of, of focusing during the, the practice. But it's one of the things that in lockdown here, I miss the most is my, my hot yoga class, which, you know, again, I've, I've only been doing it a short time, but boy, I really miss it now that I don't oh. have it. <laughs> Yeah, I've never done hot yoga, but I, I, I have a lovely class that I was doing for about a year pre-lockdown, Friday evening. It was just like mm. a wind down, 90 minutes yoga class mm. right around the corner from where I live. And I, that, is the, that is the thing I most miss, just yeah. an amazing 90 minutes. I mean, I felt like a, I felt like a new human. 
at yeah. eight o'clock on Friday night. You never come out of a yoga class or for me, a fitness class for that matter of any kind, you never come out feeling worse. You always, I, I mean, I always come out feeling renewed and rejuvenated. It's so, so important. Um, on the personal care part, so that's the, the sort of the physical and some of the spiritual part. What about the intellectual side? I mean, um, I wonder if you could share just what are the things that you are on? You know, we're we're all media junkies in our, in our business, right? That's probably part of why we're attracted to it. But do you have things that you just don't miss in terms of news or opinion or anything that uh, that someone who's coming up in their in their career could just say, "Ooh, I should maybe I should read The Economist every day or whatever it might be." Uh, I don't read The Economist every day, but I do read The Economist a lot. Uh, I think it's a really helpful thing. I, I, I um, yeah, I mean, I never miss the Sunday papers. I know that's very, very old school, but I that that is, I mean, that is a habitual moment. Uh, I, I, I consume media like. There's no tomorrow on a Sunday. I just really mm -hmm. feel like it's a kind of time in my week. Mm. Uh, I, I read a lot. I think there's a lot of wisdom to be gained by by reading. Um, and I think I'd, I would just encourage people to, again, it's get out of your echo chambers, you know, for, uh, expand your horizons, you know, learn learn about the levers of business. Look at Look at the wider wider than your clients, wider than their categories, you know, where are the trends, what's happening? Uh, and just really, just, just really, you know, be a, be a knowledge magnet, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I think it's, a, I think it's a discipline that we have to practice in order to be, to be better at the things that we need to do our job. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Quality inputs yield quality outputs, don't they? And yeah. if your brain is kind of the machine, you have to, you have That's to, right balance that equation. Well, I, I want to come around to the subject of leadership as well as specifically female leadership, because obviously that's the inspiration of this, this whole conversation series. And um, I wonder if you could sort of talk about the role of, of gender in your career. Has it ever played a role? Has it played no role? Have you viewed it as um, in any way sort of, I don't know, affecting your trajectory? Because Again, one of the inspirations for these conversations was that when I looked around the BBDO network, I saw so many, um, you know, female CEOs. It it didn't seem to be as much of a problem. But that's coming from a you know a white male privilege sort of perspective. And so I would love for you to share with with people, you know, how you viewed it. I think I was very fortunate because I grew up under. <clears throat> so Andrew hired me just before he left the UK to go to the States. And then I had two successive female CEOs. So I grew up with that model there. I think, I think my journey is slightly different though. And I think the, the thing that, uh, the thing that defines the choices that I've tried to make, there was a moment when, my biggest priority was balance, right? At the time when I had my children, um, it was profoundly important to me to maintain the right balance. I loved my job. I, I mean, I lo I, I've loved every day I've worked for BBDO, you know, super smart, but good people. I mean, how fortunate are we? Mm -hmm. um, uh, but, I, but I knew then in that, in that phase that I, I didn't want to pursue the singularity that comes with a CEO position. 
I, I wanted to work hard. I wanted to lean in with my clients, you know, do all of that stuff, but I wanted to be part of a leadership team, not in the, not in the hot, hot, hot seat as it were. And so I do remember sort of saying to myself, you know, if that's what you want, Sarah, you're going to have to wait, you know, if balance is important to you, you're going to have to, you're going to have to wait. And that, and, and for me, that was a time when I, I chose to, to take that decision and, and I own that decision. Nobody put that decision on me. It was a choice that I made about the, the person that I am and the way I wanted to live my life and the dreams that I'd had, you know, when I was younger, I, I mean, I, I mean, I got the, I got the cookie jar, you know, I got two girls, you know, and, 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 and that, that was part of my dream when I was younger. And so, so I did that. And I remember thinking at the time, I mean, I, maybe I'm going to miss the boat then, you know, maybe that maybe, maybe I'm going to miss the boat because, because I have to make sure that I'm balancing this. And it turns out there is no boat, you know, or if there's, if there is, then there's always another one. And, mm-hmm. and, and here I am doing a job that I love. I've been doing for two years and, and I think probably better because of that journey. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, that for me, that's the story. And my journey is about really, really thinking about, you know, the path that I wanted, you know, not, mm. not just copying someone else's path, yeah. just figuring out what was important to me at, at different moments in time. And when I talk to particularly, I mean, all the youngsters, but, but particularly this comes up in conversations with younger women, I, I sort of say to them, you know, you're, the story you want to write in the future starts today, you know, because just be your best, best, best self today. Be the best practitioner that BBDO can have. You know, you know, run towards the things that might frighten you. Get, get, you know, just get really, really good. Because then when you've got really, really good, if you, if you, if you, you'll be judged by the story that you've lived. And I, and I, and I, that's how I've always looked at it. You know, you're, you're always writing your story, you know, does it, even when you're junior, you're writing your story by your behaviors, mm-hmm. by your attitude, by your contribution. And, and, and that is, that is very precious. And, 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 and it, it puts, it puts stock in, in the bank of, of, of the path that you may then forge for yourself. Mm-hmm. That answer the question? Beautifully, yeah, beautifully articulated. And I wonder for, for anyone who is, in that segment of their career that you're describing as kind of a period where you wanted to have more balance, right? Was there anything specific that you said, this is what I'm going to do? And maybe it comes back to your airplane rides or something where you, you kind of take stock, but were there any specifics that you said, this is where I'm going to draw boundaries? Yeah. I think, I think there were, and and again, I talked to, I talked to, parents of youngsters particularly about this you know returning mothers as much as returning fathers when they come back from pat leave even though it's much shorter than maternity leave that you know you have to create your own framework right you have to but then my counsel is is for frameworks are flexible not rigid the ones that succeed have a little bit of elasticity in them and if you try and create a rigid framework all that tends to happen is that you, 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 you punish yourself because, you know, our business isn't 
you know, it, it isn't a fixed business. It's a fluid business. It's a conversation can take, you hope it's going to take half an hour, but it might take an hour because you might see something on that piece of paper that might take you, do you know what I mean? So I always encourage people to have their boundaries, but to try and have them with the flex inside and then to balance it out over a week or a fortnight or a month to make sure that they feel that, you know, if you've got a, if you want to be home for bath time, let's say, let's say we're talking about parenting specifically here. If you want to be home for bath time, aim to be home for bath time 75% of the time. Give yourself 25% of the time to be the flex. You know, it's a small example, but I think otherwise we can sometimes get a bit tight around boundaries. And I right. and I think I learned the hard way. I think I learned the hard way on that. I gave myself a really hard time and, and I've and I've grown up. I grew through that and, and I think I was kinder to myself second time round and mm. wise second time round and, you know, able to, to make those choices in the moment. You know, I'm, I'm, is it more important that I stay in this conversation because I love this client and I love this idea that we're starting to develop? Is there somebody who could do the thing that I thought I was going to be doing at this hour of the day mm-hmm. uh, at home? You know, it's a very right. specific parenting example, but, you know, it, yeah. it, and it doesn't it doesn't just happen with, with parenting. Right. It happens with life. You know, people are not right. people are not just what they are for us. They are they are for us, BBDO, because of what they are in the entirety of their life. You know, it's that whole mm-hmm. bring your whole self to work. And I, and I try and encourage the youngsters to, to make sure that they're doing that. You know, if, don't don't lose sight of your passions. Make sure that you're finding time to hang out with your people that really nourish you and sustain you and make you make you um, make you happy because if mm-hmm. you're keeping an eye on the balance of your own life you'll be you'll be happier and if mm-hmm. you're happier then you'll be more productive mm-hmm. yeah oh my gosh well said there's that that combination of sort of framework and flexibility whether it's as you said parenting or your fitness regime or your or your diet or whatever it may be that you have yeah. to, you know, create those parameters, but then give yourself a break and know that it's not going to be perfect. Yeah. And uh, yeah. you'll be happier in the end if you don't expect it to be perfect. You don't expect it to, you don't expect it to be perfect. Yeah. That's, I mean, you know, it's a crazy thing that society has done to us, you know, either you're winning or you're losing right. and there's That's no right. in between. You know, the, is, you know, the life is in the messy middle you know the gray yeah. the flexibility yeah, the, yeah. The, well said well said well listen one last question i have for you is around the topic of sort of just learning from leaders and one of the things that i i have you know proudly sort of said is that i steal the best from the people i work for and with you know when i see a great leadership uh habit or tactic or or trait, I just try to, you know, take it and put it in my pocket. And I wonder if, if there's things that you would recommend that, that you've learned from the people you admired as leaders. So I'm a big believer in staying curious in our business. And I'm pretty sure I stole that from a conversation I had with Andrew about a decade ago. Mm. Um, uh, but that has definitely stayed with me, you know, just the feeding of the self, the feeding of the mind in order to be able to think differently, to open up new spaces and expanses. And I and I think that's really, really important in our business because 
you know, we're in the business of the new, right? We're in the business mm-hmm. of trying to, trying to, trying to take the dust and create something from the dust that people haven't seen before. Uh, and you don't get there without an enormous amount of curiosity, I don't think. So I've definitely, definitely I think, yeah. picked that up along the way from Andrew. Listen, I learned a lot on, on my Omnicom university journey. I, mm. I had a, a wonderful, wonderful Omnicom university journey. The, the, the faculty, my peer group, you know, we're still, we're still in, we're still in touch. We're still, um, we're still laughing together and, uh, and looking out for each other and, and caring for each other. And, and, and that has, I think really, really helped me become a better leader. Just that, that peer group and the, the stories that you, the stories that you learn from the, from the, from the faculty and the cases that you study, you know, that has had a profound effect on, on, on me as a leader. And then, you know, I'm not, so, I'm not sure that Alex, my chief creative officer, co-pilot and work husband, and I steal from each other. I think we osmote. <laughs> between each other we have a funny we had a, 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 a when we first started out together two years ago uh i sent him a card uh with uh, butch cassie and sundance kid on it's their closing scene you know when they're running out about to get shot because it's my favorite right. film i knew it was one oh, of his love it i knew it was one of his favorite films it's not i don't think it's his favorite film i think his favorite film is some really depressing indie something or other um <laughs> But I, 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 and and for two years, yeah, he was Butch because he's the oldest. Sorry to drop that, but he is. <laughs> I was Sundance, uh, and so uh, uh, and so for two years we've been Butch and Sundance. And actually, I've got, I've got that picture in um, in my meeting room at work, which uh, Nad mm. beautifully designed and and, and put up because it, it 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 just makes me smile and reminds me that you know we are we are a we are a double act. And at the uh, at the end of year meeting with the agency last year, uh, the end of last year in December, he <laughs> he said uh, he said I think the tables have turned. I think she's now Butch, and I'm Sundance. <laughs> and I and I don't think that he was referencing the fact that I had aged so much during the pandemic. But I think it was just a sort of you know an osmosis of you know of, of levels of grown upness. So yeah. um, that's just a, a, a story that a story that's particularly pertinent to me. But um, I love that. You got to you got to you, you got to keep learning. You just got to keep learning in this business. Mm-hmm. The wonderful yeah. thing at my um, my kids' primary school, the preschool. I love this. They had it in reception. It, it, it said, "We don't fail. We make a first attempt in learning." F A I L. It's a visual, mm-hmm. it's a visual metaphor. First attempt in learning. Okay, I love that. Yeah, and I and I love that. You know, I, I, it, it, we have to we have to we have to try and learn all the time. Yeah. Fall yeah. forward. It's, Fall forward. Get up. Yeah. The thing that uh, the thing that um, a lot of has gotten a lot of attention, at least here in the states lately, is this idea of the growth mindset, and it's a similar attitude. Yes. There's a yes. famous book written about it, and um that that's a, a lovely acronym though i haven't heard that um that's great and i didn't know you were a butch cassidy fan but that is that is definitely one of my top five all-time films and i'm a, I'm a film a nerd and it's oh, such a it really is i mean some of the some of the best dialogue and it invent it created the buddy buddy film which hadn't been a thing before that um well sarah Thank you so much for spending time with us and congratulations on all of your success leading AMV 
um, to even higher highs, such as storied, storied agency and, um, you know, AMV BBDO will continue to, to be like a shining light for creativity and success in business. It's just amazing to watch from, from where I sit and, you know, way out here in California. And um, I'm really grateful for you to, to you for taking the time to have this conversation. Oh, thank you for having me. It's just been, it's just been lovely. It's been lovely to see you. Lovely to chat. Mm -hmm. um, All right. So, well, we, I, I hope that um, I will either make it to London or you will make it to California very soon so that we can sit down yes. and break bread together. You bet. And thank you, Lily. Good luck with that puppy. Thank you. You too. <laughs> God bless you guys. Stay safe. Stay safe. See you soon, Sarah. Thank you. Bye-bye.